Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode seven of season two of Performing Arts. My name is always Brian M. Davis. I'm your friendly, friendly neighborhood host and the person who surfaced the most into producing this show weekly for you all. Joining me today is Krista Cohen. Hi. Hi, Krista. Uh, she is a film major or a graduating film major at Brooklyn College, and I know her from mutual connections and also just probably just mutual groups that we've been in, so yeah. And today, I'm talking to her about her production, uh, about her production experience, but also what got into what got her into film production in general. So, right off the bat, film production, I've done film production classes. It's quite hard, depending on depending on the professor you have. They could be easy, easy and very lenient, or they could be very strict and well, strict and they won't. They will always be very, very like, no, no, no. You, you could do one better. That sort of thing. Uh, what got you into film production? Oh, I uh, I wish it was you know I wish it was a great story. Um, the what got me into film production was that um, as a teenager when I was applying for uh, for high school I wanted to act and so I applied to the um, the um, Frank Sinatra School of the Arts high school which was in a new building it was you know very exciting I applied for for drama wanting to act uh, but then I applied for film production as a backup yeah. and I got I got the backup career so uh, God only knows what might have happened if I had if I had uh, done theater, but I ended up in uh, in film production throughout uh, throughout high school. Then in uh, in college, I followed that uh, that same path. Uh, so tell me about uh, the Frank uh, the Frank Sinatra School of Performing Arts. I know, aside from LaGuardia, that's sort of like one of the performing arts uh, high schools or just schools in general, especially if you aren't uh, going to a public school public high school, that sort of thing. Uh, and a lot of people who I know, they have they had had friends who went to LaGuardia and where they were at LaGuardia, students by themselves, but I never actually heard or encountered anybody who has actually gone to Frank Sinatra, uh, public high school, uh, Frank Sinatra uh, Performing Arts School. So what was it like going to there to be a student? Well, the cool thing about Frank Sinatra School of the Arts is that it is, in fact, a, uh, a public high school. Um, oh, didn't, really? uh, didn't pay a dime to go there. Yeah, um, it's uh, when I when I went, um, however many years ago, uh, you had to have like an 85 average or something like that, uh, and you also had to audition to get in. Um, so I did wow. two auditions. I did the, the um, monologue in front of the um, in front of the drama teachers, and I also did the um, the film and media arts um, audition, which comprised of like, oh god, it was like I had to prepare like a storyboard um, with either photos or you know hand drawn stuff, prepared that, bring it in with me. Um, we also were sat in a classroom and we had to like look at images and create a story off of them. It was basically to see if you you know, if you had any experience in storytelling, any, you know, on the fly, 
storytelling uh, abilities, visual storytelling specifically. Uh, and there might have been an interview, I forget. Um, but yeah, that's how I, that's how I got in. Um, the school itself um, was in a brand new facility. I don't know if you're familiar with the new style of public high schools that you've been seeing within the last 10, 15 years. They're very odd looking. Um, now yeah. That think of it. They're Is it STEM? Gray, black. Is it it's, um, it's not STEM classes, right? Was it? Was the high school I went to? Oh, okay. Because the high school I went to, it, it, it was okay, but it, it was practically in the middle of a ghetto, I want to say, and it had the whole ghetto high school, and they was always feuding with another high school that was kind of like the high school that to be like dangerous around, and we kind of had like the high school beefs. So it was like, I remember one day it was like uh, the other high school like literally infiltrated onto our campus, and they try to pick fights with the students that sort of thing. So. And nowadays, that high school is now uh, closed down, and it's a reform school or something like that. It's like it has like it's like two schools like kind of like split in two. So, so yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I've seen. I think I've seen high schools or just schools in general being more grayer, as you just said, like very very like odd in terms of just being like. Like, they don't look like schools in general when you look, like, past them. They just look like academies, I want to say. Like, private academies, that sort of thing. And just, like, that's a high school. And it'd be like, wow. And because, you know, it's odd because a lot of the schools that I've, that are around me, especially the ones I grew, you know, uh, grew up to and went to as a, as a kid and whatnot, they still like they, they still look like schools, but you know my elementary school is being refurbished to probably become a lot more grayer, that sort of thing. And there is a I want to say another elementary school like a few blocks away from me, and it's like maybe two or three floors, and it looks so weird because it doesn't look like an elementary school because it looks like like a small office building. So it's like it's odd how essentially how schools in general look like schools in general, but there are new schools that essentially look like more office buildings and more like academies than the actual like schools because, you know, they may have like academic stuff in the inside, you know, but when you look at it outside, it looks like something looking at an office building or a doctor's office, that sort of thing. So it looks weird. So yeah. I've definitely seen my fair share of like weird looking high schools or just weird looking schools in general, just being like, is that a school or is that just an office building? So, so as, yeah. as, as bizarre as I found the, the, you know, the design of the school, I was very glad that it was just like a brand new facility, you know, things yeah. weren't breaking down and, you know, in my public high school, you know, pinch me. I also lived, yeah. you know, decently close to the school. I had grown up in, uh, in Astoria, uh, and it was right across from Kaufman Studios. So, you know, at different at different points in different ways, I was able to uh, to tour Kaufman Studio and go see what they had going on there. I believe they shot Sesame Street there. I got to I got to go into Oscar the Grouch's you know can and pop back. <laughs> oh, that was is awesome! Really cute. Um, even as a teenager, I was I was delighted. Um, yeah, I, there was I would a imagine. Set of so. Nurse Jackie. I think oh, really? they also did some of the Men in Black there. Yeah. Um, and then I think this was a different facility. I don't, you know, 
all the tours that I took in that time are kind of melding together. But at some point I saw the, the, um, the set of Orange is the New Black, uh, their like bunk area. I think that was when I, I was on a job and I shot in a prison or I you know, was part of a shoot in a prison in Jersey, Long Island, Germany, somewhere in New York. I got through that set, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, how uh, with the Frank Sinatra Performing Arts School, uh, how, like what was your academics there? Especially since you weren't an actor, since you weren't going to be in theater, and you kind of like got into the backup things. Like, what was like the the academic? Uh, I want to say academic planning, where it's just like, okay, you know, a first year you gotta be learning about the basics of how to production this sort of thing, and then year like year two we're gonna be doing like more like hands-on production that sort of thing. Or was it just like how it is in college, where it's like a mixture of different tractions? That's sort of thing. There were there was only one track for the uh, for the film film and media arts majors. Uh, every every student of every studio, well, which included like dance, instrumental, vocal, um, there was also uh, fine art. Um, each track had its basically like elective classes. Like there was there was um, you know um, a track for each for each department. And um, ours included the you know standard academic class, uh, English, math, whatever. Um, and then we also had, yeah, the, the normal core classes. And then uh, we had two, two, you know, periods of, um, of our major related classes or our department related classes. Um, they were usually a hands-on film production course and then a film studies type course. Uh, the only one I remember really well was, uh, was history of film because I, I learned quite a bit in it um, about like the history and of yeah. film and film technology um, to the point where when I got to Brooklyn College and then when I was in my first um, when I was in my first film studies class which was um, what is that one called the, the uh, language of film I think Ma it's like the language of film yeah language of film one and then language of film two which is essentially like the more like later films that like language of film one was just, it would be essentially like the intro to film I think and then language of film two will probably be like the films from like nineteen forties to probably like mm -hmm. now so yeah so when I took language of film one I um I missed the first essay just because I was all over the place as a person but then the second essay I did so well that the professor called me in and was like you don't have to do this you you know I I worry that you might be you know, that you might be plagiarizing this. And I said, no, I just, I just went to a, you know, I got four, a four year education in, in, you know, basic film stuff. So the, the first few classes at Brooklyn College were, I don't want to say a complete copy of copy or a complete, you know, review of what I had done in high school, but I had a, I had a pretty good, you know, pretty good filmmaking experience off the, uh, off the bat in high school. Yeah. So I'm pretty glad about uh, that. It's kind of it's kind of sad that uh, I didn't get like some sort of like that in my high school because my high school it it wasn't really because nowadays if I look into my high school now it's like oh it's like they have a robotic scene that sort of thing they have like a science robotic scene but I, I know for a fact like 
their like their robotics team was like one of the like, top robotics teams in New York City or something like that. And they have like and they have a theater. I want to say they have a somewhat of a theater department or like a theater class thing. So yeah, but it was never any like film, you know, film department or film class that could actually. There was like no AV class where we're like, okay, gang, uh, you know, let's go. Over. And, it's, and it's funny because you know, you you watch shows like you know Stranger Things, and you know the class, you know the kids are like you know, AV club, that sort of thing. And there was never no AV club at my uh, high school. Obviously. No, I mean, there was an anime club. There was, you know, different other clubs, but I could never see any like AV club. They, they may have been in an AV club, but no one really told me about it. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, speaking of Brooklyn College, uh, I know from experience, you know, Brooklyn College film department is a very top tier like film program to get into because just being a minor in film is like just fun enough but i saw people who go like straight to essentially being a film department that sort of thing especially working college you know being not necessarily overly work but just like overly just like having a lot to do especially with their own like thesis films that sort of thing uh, how did that decision actually get into uh, applying for Brooklyn College? Because I know Hunter College has something of a, a, a film a thing. I know City College has their own thing, but City College might be more, uh, you have to build your own profile, that sort of thing, just to get into the, the film department. So how did you decide to go to Brooklyn College, especially since, you know, you live out in Queens, right? So, so yeah, it's like, and going to Queens to Brooklyn is like one one hectic, like one hectic uh, way just to get to uh, uh, just to get to Brooklyn at all. So, and it's just like Brooklyn College, at least at Brooklyn College, all you just gotta do is get on the queue, and it's just, it's coming right into. And the the film department is literally right on the queue line. So it's like you get off the queue, you walk a couple of blocks, the film department's right there. So yeah, how did the, how did essentially you come up to the decision, okay, it's like, you know what, I'm going to go to Brooklyn College to start. So the decision to go to Brooklyn College is a pretty funny story. Um, when I was applying for different colleges um, and continuing the film track, of course I had, you know, the big names in my head, uh, NYU, Columbia, and you know, I thought everyone, everyone in my school had that scramble for the for the top mentality of like, you know, I'm gonna end up getting a scholarship and this, this, and that. Yeah. Just the the way I performed in high school, you know, I hadn't met my full potential. This is not. I was under like an enormous amount of stress in in advanced placement classes, and I still didn't live up to you know the arbitrary stuff that I had set for myself, um, you know, with my future in being a tech person. Um, so. Um, I was thinking about NYU, and my grandfather happens to be happened to be friends with the head of uh, NYU Tisch, I believe it's their school of like yeah. arts and whatnot. Tisch is their arts. Right. Um, so he spoke to the head and was like, "How does my how does you know how could my granddaughter uh, get into this program? What is what does it take? What does she need?" And the guy goes, "You know, 
from what you've told me about your granddaughter, you know, she seems like she'd be a shoe and it would be, you know, it would be fine, but it's just a matter of paying for NYU. You really yeah. have to, there's no real getting around it. There's some scholarships. I do know, I think I know one person who ended up going to NYU from my, from my high school. I cannot imagine the hurdles that, you know, he had to, he had to go through to, uh, to do that um, between finding funding with, with scholarships, financial aid, uh, loans. I just, yeah. I know that I, I wasn't built for it. My family wasn't, wasn't built for it. Uh, so the, the, you know, the guy from NYU says, uh, you know, you could, you could get in, but you have to, you have to pay for it. Consider for yeah. college. They seem to be doing good stuff there. And on that yeah. recommendation, it was just no looking back. Yeah. Uh, I've had two friends who went to NYU and both of my friends actually went to a community college and they got, uh, both of my friends, had gotten great recommendations from their professors into becoming into going there and they both graduated from MIU and and I would just ask them you know how was being at NYU and they were like it's like a whole different beast that's what I was like and the, and the weird thing is and the weird thing is if you're an actor in New York City chances are nine times out of ten or maybe eight times out of ten depending on you know this is New York City, you know, eight times out of 10, someone would probably have gone to NYU for their, you know, performance studies or maybe Columbia, you know, but eight times, you know, eight out of 10, it's usually NYU, especially if, it, if it's a New York, uh, New York uh, performing arts. So yeah, uh, just, and, Tuition alone is just like, it's crazy amount just to go to NYU just for tuition alone. Even going to Brooklyn College, you know, that's crazy enough tuition, but at least you have financial aid, that sort of thing gets managed. It's like, something. <laughs> and, but, uh, yeah. So your grandfather, you know, even though he pulled you for NYU, the NYU guy was like, yeah, you know what? It's gotta be a it's gotta be a lot of work. Why don't you try Brooklyn College? And you mentioned like the first couple of classes at Brooklyn College were almost like a review of stuff you've done previously. Uh, in your experience, like how was your first year at Brooklyn College, especially as a film? Uh, were you still a like once you got into Brooklyn College, were you still dead set on being a film production major, or were you just like? Uh, somewhat undecisive and just say, oh yeah, I'm just going to be a film bachelor just to do all the stuff. I, um, I was very hard headed when I first got to, uh, when I first got to college uh, at Brooklyn college. And uh, yeah, I said, this is, this is my path. Um, I'm going to continue with film production till the end. It was only maybe halfway through. I realized that Oh, no, I should have gotten a design education if I want to go into art department stuff. As a matter of fact, in the summer between me graduating high school and starting college, that was when I got my first, you know, I, I got my first art department style um, project. Uh, it was so cute. It was a, it was a mockumentary called, uh, and you can find this on IMDb, it's called Young Class is Gonna Die. Uh, and it was about a feud between between rappers, and that was my first. I was pretty ignorant at the time, I'll be honest. You you um, you know as well you know as well as I do that 
a lot of these film programs really only train people to think in terms of like, I could be a cinematographer, I could be a director. They don't really seem to, you know, yeah. show you the real uh, depth and breadth of, of the other the other careers. So I was put on as, you know, art director and, and props master for, um, for that film. And I realized, oh my God, you could do this as, as a job. And I thought, you know, as I continue in the film department, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to end up doing that. Ultimately, I think that just because our department people come from so many different paths that are not film, that it wasn't all that helpful to me to get a film production degree. Uh, but I was already so far into it by the time I, um, by the time I realized that, you know, maybe a design education or, you know, studio art education would have um would have been more helpful i was already so far and i said you know forget it i will just finish this uh this career path and then you know do the rest on the on the job i did end up getting a minor in studio art just because you know yeah. i spent so much time in, in the art department trying to you know trying to get some hands-on experience with what i like to work with um so. Uh, actually, do uh, talk about more about your studio art because that actually is an interesting thing. Because there are, you know, film department, you know, well, not film department, but there are film professionals that do handle in the, the more, you know, art, you know, film art thing. Where it's like, hey, we need. It's sort of like the same thing with theater. It's like, oh, we need a senior designer, so we need to actually build, you know, the background that sort of thing. We need people to paint the background that sort of thing. So. Have you actually done stuff where it's like you have that experience as with art on a film set where it's like, hey, you know, the background is supposed to be a, you know, it's supposed to be a night, but we don't have a, you know, it's bright as anything. So it's like, hey, it's like, give me a couple minutes. I have an idea. Just let me just do all that. Um, well, I... I don't have any experience in like scenic painting or a matte painting or anything like that. Um, but uh, I have been on sets, whether, you know, feature television, short film. Um, I was on a medical commercial for some kind of like, I think it was a hormone ring or something like that. So I've been on, on sets where I acted as like set dresser, props master, um, you know, assistance to, to any of those positions um and uh you know yeah yeah uh and it's uh i've i was the assistant to a set brush uh, well yeah set designer and it was a fun job because all we because the both of us had to essentially uh you know I was a crew of one and all I had to just do was like one day I had to strike down the whole set and then once I was done with that, you know, pick everything up and put everything in storage. Once I was done with storage and you know, the following day, I, 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 I want to say like the following day, we both met up again to get not only just because C was actually coming back to New York because C was actually coming back to I want to I think it's like Colorado or somewhere or somewhere on that thing so she was on the way back to New York and then the following day we were just essentially just you know it was like hey you know thank you for doing all the, all this stuff uh, we put more stuff in storage because that's all that's all we had 
because we, you know, we didn't have like a, an actual storage space. We only had like storage, like, you know, lockers. That's what, like, just for the time being. And, and she goes like, Hey, thank you for the, the thing. But do you want to, uh, you know, you could actually go home now. It's like, uh, it's like, no, 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 I can still help you. And we drove all the way out to Farmingdale or like past Farmingdale to actually bring, uh, an old, an old desk that to be used for a, one of the tenant plays that, I mean, one of the, one of the uh, short plays that was being featured in that festival I was doing, helping her with. And, and during that thing, she was just talking about all the stuff that she was doing in terms of just like her set design stuff, that sort of thing. So yeah, it's being a designer, it's like, it's fun. But I, like, I would think it's like being a film designer would be very, very like a film production designer would be like much more harder to do because you got to like think a lot more strategic and also think about the budget too. Whereas it's like on stage, it's just like, okay, on stage, it's like boom, boom, and then maybe like something over here. It's like fairly easy, but when it's a film production, you guys think about where the camera is, all that stuff. So yeah, I, I, I would I would think that film production designers are like I won't say stressful, but at least they don't get the credit as much as they deserve because they do a lot of good stuff, especially especially when it's like a big budgeted uh, like big budgeted film that's just like and it's like and you just see like great production work and it's just like some of that great production work could be like only in the background for like maybe five seconds but they worked like they worked on that for like maybe five days or something like that maybe even five weeks just for like a 10 second shot but yeah um in term and well okay and back to brooklyn college that was a long traction <laughs> and back to brooklyn college uh and i want to talk about brooklyn college a lot even though we are both both from brooklyn college and it's fun to talk about our college in general but uh when was your first production experience in Brooklyn College? Where was like your first like short film you had to do? I think that's a good question. I know that right off the bat, I you know I found my way onto onto thesis film sets. Um, a lot of times you'll hear you'll hear stories of people who um, didn't get onto thesis film sets until it was t about time for their thesis, and I just I couldn't imagine that. I just love being on set so much. Um, yeah. So from, you know, from 1819, when I was just starting out, I, uh, I got onto different thesis film sets. I believe the first one was Alana Fehrenbach's uh, The Red Spine, which is funny because that is how I met my, uh, my current boyfriend. Uh, we were both production assistants to the, to the art director of that, uh, of that film, of that short film. Nice. And it's, it's always... It, I, I always imagine it's always fun to actually meet someone who works the same field as you and you're dating the same and you, you know, you're dating and then it's so like, so yeah. Uh, have you and him kind of crossed paths again in terms of the film? Like, because like theater film is like almost a small world because sometimes you could working on a film set. It's like, Hey, I know you. It was like, weren't you doing something like this like a couple of years ago and stuff like that? And it's like, well, yeah, I was doing like this. It was, you know, right. Granted, granted, I was like the actor, but now I'm just like the uh, the uh, I'm just like the boom my guy. But yeah, I'm, same on me. Uh, have you two crossed paths again since that movie, or have you kind of like 
is say, hey, I'm just going to do my own stuff. You do your own stuff. But, you know, just be on the same set. It'd be like, because I know couples who work together, they do very good together. But sometimes, you know, I know couples who don't want to work together because, you know, you know, be too distracting. Be like, there's, there's my boyfriend on, on, you know, on stage. It's like, and there's, you know, here's me behind the scenes just making sure he's doing okay. And it's like, you know, it's like, it's too distracting sometimes. Like, for them, it's just like too distracting to be like, like there's, you know, there's a bow, I mean, you on, on stage or on screen. You know, and there's, you know, them just behind the scenes, just like someone like that sort of thing. So just as a couple, have you worked together since then? Or, or is it just like, Hey, I got to do my thing here. I got to do my thing here. So let's just cross paths whenever we can, but just not. often. I'll be honest. Neither of us has worked enough in the six years that we've known each other to cross paths in the first place. I've crossed paths with people that I've worked with before and then worked yeah. with them again. Hey, you, look at you. Yeah, I saw your name on the call sheet. How's it going, man? That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my boyfriend and I, we've had to work, you know, we've had to work jobs outside of our chosen field, um, restaurants, uh, you know, a barbershop cashier, a telemarketer, a restaurant host. Um, you know, he's also worked, a, you know, a number of jobs just because, Making a living in film is really fucking hard, and you know, there's no. Can I swear on this show? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Man. So First yeah, making <laughs> making a, a living in. in <laughs> it's not like I'm gonna be monetizing this stuff. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Maybe. Someday. I hope so. I hope so. But yeah, go ahead. So, making a living in the New York City film industry is not easy by any by any means. Um, I have known many people, many broken college graduates, especially people who are extremely talented, whose work I've seen, whose work I've enjoyed, and not, not in the sense of like, oh, that's my friend, yay, that's my friend, in the sense of like, they're really talented, how to, you know, work other jobs, move back in their parents, um, depend on a significant other's income. It's not steady. It's not steady enough work when you first start for you to make your yeah. entire living off of it. So it's been such a nightmare trying to work in film through college, but also need a steady job. It's, yeah. You know, um, the pandemic at the end, at the very tail end of my college education has completely thrown me for a loop. I thought, yeah. okay, you know, I'll continue my, you know, uh, menial job that only gives me two shifts a week. Um, and then I'll be able to take some gigs alongside that. Now there's nothing, nothing. no work. It's driving me nuts. It's driving me absolutely nuts. Even though as I record this phase four has sort of like, I want to say sort of gotten along into, going along into New York City. So, Production can restart as soon as possible, or as, you know, as fast as they can. So I, I assume probably by September or so, probably by the fall, that's when like actual production gigs might start, and that sort of thing. And there are still people who are still like doing uh, uh, auditions and stuff like that, and they they won't be able to film until like end of August. That sort of thing. So yeah. It's speaking from experience, being a theater artist trying to get a stable job is even harder as being a film artist. So it's like, just being a performing artist in general and getting a stable job and using that job to not only support yourself, but also to support your art, 
is one of the most hardest things to do as a, especially with a career, because, you know, I've, like what you just said before, I've had friends who are extremely good in their field, but, you know, but they have careers that they aren't really aligned to with the amount of stuff they want to do. So it's troubling to see someone who I know personally and they'd be like, oh, you know, and then I would have friends who are essentially good with the job that they have, but they are miserable with the job they have because they, they're not doing the things that they want to do, which is essentially, I want to do this, but I can't do this without supporting myself first. And so, yeah. And 2020 has just like essentially been one big foobar of a year and is that a cat in the background? Yes, it's Winky. He's going to have Aww. to take over the show for a little bit because he needs to cuddle. Hi, handsome boy. Aww. My first cat in the show. Really? You want to be yes. the center of attention, don't you? He's a sweet Aww. boy. Yeah, see? No, you don't want to be the center of attention. You just want to <laughs> and be he, And he... And, and Winky's already he gone. You just want to scream. He just It's scream o'clock for him. What do you want? What do you need? After after he uses the litter box, it's scream o'clock. It's you all gonna know I What are you doing? What's the matter? He's taken care of, he's comfortable, he's loved. Every now and again he just likes to scream. So yeah, he he might do that for you know the next five minutes or so. But yes, um twenty twenty has been fucked up beyond all recognition. Yeah, and just being a, a, an artist in general has been essentially been like so hard to do because not only are we trying to uh, embrace this new norm of not only wearing masks and being socially distancing, that sort of thing, the jobs that we hold dear to our lives are essentially dried up, especially with Broadway, you know, with my side, you know, Broadway, you know, theaters won't open up until probably January or so, and, or maybe even longer than that. So my, you know, production experience and stuff like that, it's going to be crucial, you know, for the next, like, say, several months or so, especially since, you know, it's July right now, and well, I mean, it's close to the end of July, and we're coming into August, and August goes into September, October, November, December. It's like, before you know it, it's already the end of the year. So, yeah. Being a performing artist, especially in New York City, is one of the worst, I won't say one of the worst jobs, but it's just, it, it's one of the roughest jobs because you need to find a stable job, and finding a stable job is the, the bread and butter of essentially your performing arts. But, because of the pandemic, everyone was practically uh, corrupted because of what was happening. But yeah, uh, I'm sorry, Winky just took me out of it. So yeah, uh, uh, and I love both cats and dogs, but I always have a uh, affection for cats. You know? It's like cats are just so they could be nice and they look so nice and mean, but at the same time, it's like they they, they love you. Anyway, uh, so yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah. Being a theater artist and being a film artist in, in general in New York City is like a rough traction all by itself because 
right now there are no jobs and the jobs there are are not going to be as glamorous as you thought it would be because you know it especially since phase especially now where it's like oh uh the Broadway League, I think, just opened up a new guideline for the like when the theaters reopening. So this got to be like, oh, uh, one of the main new rules now is no more stage touring. So it was like all the actors who I knew who loved doing the stage touring, who would love to like sign stuff like that, no more of that. Especially since you know, New York City, if you're stage touring in New York City, that's got to be a shit ton. Waiting to get like an autograph or just get a picture of that sort of thing. So, because of this, it's just like we're we're gone for the night. See ya. Yeah. You know, which is odd because I've seen actors who literally just like they look around for the stage for a couple seconds and literally just eh, see ya. They're like they're, they're gone for the night. They're just like they're resting up for the next you know next night that sort of thing or the next round of performances that sort of thing. But yeah. <coughs> but yeah. Business-wise, it's much more harder because where do you go if the where where do you go when the thing you've trained for for the past couple of years is not available to you and won't be available to you for the next couple of like for the next for a while, especially with what's been happening with uh, COVID and stuff like that. Uh, but speaking of COVID. I know you were actually doing a production of something right as the like right as the pandemic really started to happen in New York City, but still at the same time it wasn't like as uh, it wasn't as destructive as it was, and like nothing really closed down. So you were in that little like time frame where it was like everything was still running, that sort of thing, and then. And then the next day, everything just closed down. So, from your experience, from when New York City started to know that COVID was starting to happen, to when everything was kind of like closed down, especially on the set, like what was like the general mood on that set? So, um, this last production that was uh, that I was on was a thesis film that took place. Uh, I want to say mid-March, early March somewhere. Um, and that was when, that was when, at a time when we had heard the virus was, you know, ravaging other, other countries, uh, China specifically, we thought, we thought, you know, it's so far away. Oh, let's hope it doesn't, let's hope it doesn't hit us. That was at a time still when, you know, they were saying, do you need a mask? Do you not? We were really just like, you know, the country was just scrambling to, to think of, something to do um we didn't know whether or not to be to be frightened i you know had heard that um you know there was a virus that you don't want to catch spreading um there was one person on that set who i was working closely with who i realized toward the end of the day had a um she had like everybody gets the the sniffles um She wasn't supposed to be there that day because she was supposed to go to a concert. The concert was canceled. Uh, and so we had, you know, an extra set of hands in, in my department. Um, and so at the end of the day, I was, you know, I, I felt bad doing this because nobody wants to, nobody wants to be suspicious of anybody they're working with, you know, yeah. thinking maybe they're not taking all the precautions possible. I spoke to someone and they were like, yeah, she, you know, 
she was worried too, and she got COVID tested and got her results back. It's not COVID, it's just a normal cold. I said, oh, God. Yeah. You know, it's that. Um, and so the director at the end of this um, thesis film shoot, apparently they needed one more day to complete it, and the director was like, listen, you know, I don't think it's safe to, uh, I don't think it's safe to continue anymore. You know, we've all put a lot of work into this, but I cannot, you know, in good conscience, go forth another day with things the way they are. And I, and I admire them very much for that. Cause like, that's your thesis. That's, you yeah. know, you've been working years towards this. You know, I, I can't, I can't imagine during my own thesis having to just yeet the last, you know, the last day and then hope, hope for the best. Uh, because of a pandemic, but you know, this this director stepped up and they they you know did what they had to do, and I and I admire that very much. And it was also for especially for a student film, it was very well put together. I believe this was a production through Hofstra. Did they have? It wasn't LIU. It was like either Hofstra or like just Pace. It was probably I think it was Hofstra. Well, the um, tri-state yeah. uh, general. Yeah. <laughs> One of the tri-state uh, universities that we don't know of. One of one of them, um, but yes, yeah, this, this you know person had had dotted all their eyes and crossed all their T's. The production was was very professional, and so they made the professional decision of not putting yeah. people in danger, not having us meet any any more than than we had to, um, yeah. which was uh, which was nice. I felt really bad that we couldn't finish it. I should probably reach out to that director again and say, hey, how did that go? Did you end up graduating? So. Yeah, uh, I honestly remember the last, uh, my last day at Brooklyn College, which is an odd way of hearing, but my last day at Brooklyn College was, you know, graduating, it was like, it, I would just see my name, and like, oh, it's Brian Davis. Over the, over the computer, I'm like, hey, that's my last day. But my last special day at Brooklyn College, I had like the one of the worst panic attacks I ever felt because like when going into the uh, going to the school, it was like it was an okay bus ride. But then there was this old guy on the on on the bus who was just randomly just start coughing at people as they were getting up. He was like, bleh, bleh, you know, that sort of thing. And here's me, like all the way in the back of the bus, just like, listen, tell me he has this stupid thing, and and you know going to the campus. I don't know if you've ever been to Roosevelt, the Roosevelt building. Yeah. That building is one hot place. Like literally, it's it, it, yeah, it, it's literally one of the hottest buildings in the in the thing. Because one, if you go and use the bathroom, you're pretty much in a sauna. Especially it's easily, easily 120 degrees. I'm not exaggerating. And it, but the weird thing is, if you go in the main portion, it's like hot as anything. But if you go into the extended portion of of the building, it's cold as anything. So this, so it's either hot or cold. There's no in between. And I remember just waiting for my class, and my classmates are all talking about, you know, what's happening. And it's like, oh, you know, what do you think is gonna happen with Brooklyn College? That sort of thing. And and this is a Wednesday class too. So Wednesday classes are always like middle of the week, that sort of thing, you know. And I remember just feeling like, okay, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I'm just like, you know, I'm just like right before class, so let's go get some water. And then the moment I got to class, I saw one of my classmates in the, the nurse's office, and I was like, and she's kind of like sitting down waiting, all that stuff. And in the back of my mind, like the, the gears just start turning. I was like, oh no, I was like, 
what happens if it's like what happens if she's worried about that was like she was just right around where everyone else was just talking about the COVID stuff. That's what. I mean. So yeah, it, it's like the last day of that of my semester was literally having a panic attack and then coming home and just like legitimately just like just worried for my life and then and then of course by the end of that day, end of that day is like oh yeah you know Brooklyn College we're closed down for two weeks and then I'm like and then two weeks became three through became a month, month. you know and then, and then the rest of the semester was just gone it's like uh, it's like uh, and the funny thing is it's like I have no idea how I'm gonna have a fun spring break, especially going into March. Like I have no idea how I'm gonna have a fun spring break because one, I was doing, you know, I have a devising class. The devising class is essentially me meeting up with my classmates who I had to go like weekly and just like meeting up with my classmates and weekly just doing, you know, just making sure we're creating a, you know, like a fresh play out of, you know, stuff that we know of and. Imagine doing that, and but we got to do it over Zoom and or Hangouts, that sort of thing. And but <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, it's it's the poop song. He he just pooped, and he we all need to know. Let me see. Let me give me just a moment. Let me see if my boyfriend can. And we're back recording. Okay. But yeah, that last day at Brooklyn College, it was hectic because one, on the bus ride, it was like this old guy just coughing up a storm and he's just doing it in front of people who was like, going off the train, you know, not the train, the bus, that's what I'm thinking. And seeing my classmates talk about COVID and seeing my, one of my classmates in the nurse's office, like, and then having words, like, it wasn't really the best thing. And then at the end of the day, it was like, and I skipped one of my classes and I was like, I never really do that unless it's like, it's really, really bad for me to go to class. and. And here, you know, I get to, I get back home and the moment I get home, it's like, I get the, uh, the email saying, oh yeah, by the way, you know, next two weeks, there'll be no class, that sort of thing. And then we, and then we hear about the, the, about the students who were COVID effective, in, who were COVID effective. And that got me even more, you know, more uh, worried about, you know, maybe it's possible that I was affected because, you know, even though I wasn't in Ingersoll Hall, maybe someone who was in Ingersoll Hall in that time was in a class of mine or in the you know, vicinity. It's like, but and but the thing is, like, oh, these happen on Tuesdays and Thursday nights, and I'm just like, what happens if they have like you know class that happen during the you know you know uh, during another time that sort of thing? So it's like it's how they always say it's like even if you, if someone's affected, if someone is affected and and they're in a room with ten people, and they're all and they all and some of them aren't wearing a mask. Well, it's gonna be a very fast thing. And yeah, it, it's it's weird being on that. It, it but yeah, it, it should. It was like a very bittersweet feeling to be on that. Uh, I assume it was probably a bittersweet feeling to be on that that last day of that set. So it was like a bittersweet feeling being on the last day of school because I kind of knew school would be closing down shortly, or at least momentarily. But then people are like, uh, it was like, I would remember just like people just arguing about, you know, on the Brooklyn College uh, Facebook groups, 
saying, hey, it's like, is school got to be closed, that sort of thing? I demand school to be closed, that sort of thing. I don't think it's right to, like, to reopen after two weeks, you know. And so, yeah, I imagine it, it would be a bittersweet feeling just to be on a film set, work on a film set, and then say, and then the director be like, hey, because of what's been happening, I, I don't see the foreseeable, I don't, I don't want to jeopardize you all into the thing, so this is the last day. Thank you all again, that sort of thing. And then work with whatever they got in terms of, you know, filming and, you know, stuff like that. Because I know there are, because I know a lot of, uh, well, I know a lot of films were affected by COVID, but a lot of TV shows were affected by the season finales and stuff like that, you know. Uh, a show I love watching, Supergirl, their season finale wasn't really their season finale. It was just uh, like one of the episodes leading into the season finale. And you could tell that it really affected their like uh, production stuff because they were like shots that weren't there, you know, uh, like shots that were supposed to be like reaction shots, not there too. So it felt very, very like surreal to watch a show. And then towards the middle of the thing, you would actually just start noticing when a lot of this stuff was, uh, knows like and then also it's like oh you know it's like we wrapped up like 95 percent of the show and then that five percent of the show is probably like maybe reaction shots that sort of thing and then you know but yeah i would i would think that it was a bit of a street feeling to be on that set on that last day knowing that probably the, the, you wouldn't be doing the film maybe the next day or something like that bittersweet was uh was definitely the feeling. Uh, I'll be honest. I was not. Um, I was not scheduled to be um, to be on set for any of the uh, the following shooting days. Um, but um, yeah, you know, it, it just felt there was a, there was a palpable sense of loss um, in that in that room. Certainly. Yeah. Uh, like you, it's like you kind of, it's like, it, like everyone knew something was going to happen, and then the following day, it's like, yep, everything was closed. It's like everything was just like, just in the sense of, hey, uh, we don't know what else to do, so we're kind of like very, very, you know, it, it is what it is, and then, oh no, it says your bandwidth is low. Uh, That's usually the case, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but yeah, uh, to wrap it up, I think for the most part, yeah, to wrap it up, I think for the most part, I think even though we had this like depressing time where there were, there was no shows running, there was no productions being filmed or television being filmed. Uh, an industry was practically gutted for, for is still being gutted because of what has been happening. Do you think that once production start like coming back up, do you think there would be a nice bounce back, or will it be like, or will it be like slowly but surely a bounce back? It's it's so hard to tell. Um, I think if there is a bounce back, it'll be tremendously slow. People were predicting that you know fall, we're going to have a busy season to make up for it. I don't think a busy season is even possible considering the precautions that we have to take in order to keep, you know, productions, uh, keep production safe. Um, I'll be honest. 
I worry so much about job prospects, not even just in my chosen field, but in, in general. Um, yeah. We're looking at a post-disaster economy that's, you know, had a death toll that's, what, 10 times what we had in 9-11, and we're, oh, yeah. expecting, we're expecting there to be work. People are, are leaving the cities for a reason. You see, you know, this massive boom in uh, rental units being available because people are leaving. There's, yeah, you know... Uh, they're going my, back home to their parents. Yeah, one of my one of my former guests. He said he actually got to live on, what was it, uh, like close to Third Avenue and in, uh, in the in, in Hell's Kitchen, in Hell's Kitchen, in Hell's Kitchen. And normally, one like at the Third Avenue apartment, just to like that, that would be like in the thousands, if not like like three thousand, just to get that. He said he got it like very cheaply because of the the fact that you know. You know, the rent over there is now much more cheaper now because of uh, the pandemic. And yeah, uh, I do think that for the most part, there is going to be a bounce back, but it's going to be a very, very slow bounce back, especially especially when it's, it might pick up during the the, the, the holidays because naturally it's, it's weird because it's always a bounce. It's weird because when you're doing anything, the holidays is the main selling point. And then after the holidays, it's just this weird, weird, like, drawl, like, weird, weird, slow crawl. And then by the time summer and, uh, and, and the fall hits and then the holidays, it's like it's, it's that little thing again. And then by the time it's winter, spring, it's like that little weird, like, void period. But, yeah, I do think for the most part, there is going to be a bounce back, but it's got to be very slow. Uh, do you think... There will be. How fast do you think the regulations will be like swift? It was like, especially nowadays, especially because I've seen people doing like you know, or you know, actual film productions. You know, it's like, oh yeah, you know, they're you know, someone's getting their hair and makeup, they have a mask on, that sort of thing, and the, the actor. I know John Boyega. He just recently uh, shared a picture of him in the makeup chair, and he has like a face mask on. And the and makeup artist is, you know, clubs, mask, you know, hairnet or whatever, and like really, really being precautious and everything. So, like, do you see essentially a lot of because we know that being an independent film artist, you know, you won't have, you know, independent film artists really don't have the luxury of, you know, having a makeup chair, that sort of thing, or makeup artist, that sort of thing. So a lot of it probably be very, very, very minimal. Uh, how many, do you see essentially a lot of productions going forward adopting this thing where it's like, oh, it's like, we want to have the best thing, or do you see like the bare minimal where it's just like people are just wearing masks and just like maybe a club? I think until there's a vaccine, the indie film industry will be at a complete halt. I don't think yeah. that any production that was, you know, paying us in exposure and pizza is going to be able to shuffle together PPE when they didn't prioritize anything having to do with the, with the crew in the first place, unfortunately. Um, you know, you're seeing people who are, who are you know, producers who are uh, hassling putting out uh, COVID waivers. Like, you get sick on our set, it's not our fault. Fuck that. Uh, and so the industry, the industry is very vocally, very verbally um, reacting to to that. Um, 
studios have been slow to put to put together um, uh, contingency plans just because we don't know what the timeline is. We don't know how yeah. long it's going to take to get back in motion, or if we can, it'll it'll you know it, it'll be safe. Um, I found that um, one industry that has one entertainment industry that has continued strong throughout this has been um, pro wrestling. Yeah. They have been doing decently well, and as far as I know, you know, uh, they haven't reported any major um, haven't reported any major instances of people getting uh, getting sick. They're also um, between different wrestling companies. They are all um, calling each other out on like you know yeah. certain stuff precaution not being taken. You guys got to step it up. This this and that. Um, yeah. So I think it's worth taking a note from them. They've been putting out plastic barriers. They've only been yeah. having um, like their own wrestlers in as... the audience. Yeah. yeah. It's weird being a pro. It's like I'm a very big pro wrestling fan, and I would love it if on my show I'd be able to get a pro wrestler on that thing and speak about their experience. Huh? That would be um, awesome, yeah. Yeah, and I would love to speak about their experience, at, you know, not only working in the Indies, but also working now with the, you know, COVID, that sort of thing. Especially, you know, what have they seen in terms of, you know, precautions, that sort of thing. You know, with AEW, they do it in the daily, uh, daily space, which is a, which is an open air stadium. I'm not well. Uh, it's not a stadium, but it's like an open air. It's like a, it's a it's like a very small like performing space, but it's like it, but it's in an open air space. It's uh, it's hard to describe it. It's like if you've been to Coney Island, there's like something similar to that in Coney Island, where it's like you. It, it's like that, but with the WWE, you could do it at the performance center, which is essentially in a closed space, that sort of thing. So it's and so being in the the performance space that is a performance center, there is going to be a lot more precautions, that sort of thing, because you know it's much more enclosed, that sort of thing. And with AEW, they have a you know. Uh, like literally a football owner like backing them up because they literally have a football like owner, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars, like literally backing them and actually supporting them and that sort of thing. And they're always doing COVID testing the day of the, te you know, the day of, uh, day of, uh, day, of uh, day of, day of taping or day of their show, just showing people like, you know, talk about that stuff. You know, they always show wrestlers being very, you know, very socially distant, that sort of thing, and compare that, and, and, and then, yeah, there were people, because there were recently, uh, a wrestler named Taz actually was calling them out on TV, because of what, what was happening with, uh, what was happening with the WWE, because there was like, at least maybe 30 people or so who were tested positive with, with the virus, or at least tested positive just being in, in the COVID-19, you know, just that, so. So now, you know, the WWE is maybe taking more precautions, but yeah, it's it's odd how essentially the wrestling, right? Wrestling who has been like almost been like a performing arts that has been kind of like mocked and stuff like that. Kind of like essentially stepping up because they've been doing it all in one spot. You know, they don't want to go about it and actually 
travel all over, you know, all over the world, you know, and risk even more exposure. You know. Just because COVID nineteen is the you know one of the worst things the thing you know does doesn't mean it can't also catch something else. From you, know. you know, as of right now, there there is talk about you know. Bubonic plague actually coming back somewhere. I'm like, how is that even possible when the bubonic plague has been like, like literally been like away for like so many years? So yeah, it's all about being safe and secure. And I think for the most part, yeah, people may take a cure out of wrestling and have everything in that one little spot. Whereas it's like, okay, we're filming, and at least with studios, they do everything. In a studio, you know, it's like one big studio. It's like they don't do everything else, you know. If they have to really uh, shoot on a soundstage and put the green scene and, you know, have them, like, driving, like, something like that, you know, it, it's doable. It's like, they, you know, it's like, yeah, you could tell it's a green screen in the background, but at least they aren't, like, actually driving around and, you know, it's putting even more people in danger because not only do they have to do with stunt people, you know, that sort of thing. It's like, oh, where it's like they're gonna be doing a car trace in in the street, but you know, you gotta have to make sure people aren't in that street at the same time. You know, it's like doing all that. So yeah, and even then, I I heard that essentially a lot of these shows now are gonna be like being more and more cautious, and being more hey, no more extras, that sort of thing. Is like you know a lot more you know, stuff is being cut down. You know, fights has gotta be like a lot more. It's not that sort of thing. So yeah, uh, uh, being a, a TV writer has to be much more difficult now than being anything else because a TV writer has to be much more lenient on say, hey, what is safe now compared to what was safe that or what was safe before? Especially since you know we don't want people to be more and more harmful than anything else. Uh, but yeah, I don't doubt that people will take a cue from wrestling and have essentially, hey, we got we got something to do with uh, things to be in a more secure place, even if it's one place itself. But, you know, it's hard because studios used to do that all the time. They still do it all the time with studio films because they do it all the time because, you know, they... In the 1930s and 1940s, those were the, that was the golden age of studio films. They built everything in the studio. So if they had to go back to the studio in order to do all these films, then instead of traveling around the world and, you know, filming for Paris for one night or filming for a Paris Eiffel Tower view for, like, several nights, and you have to do, like, maybe three weeks of pre-production and all that stuff, when you could easily just do it in your studio for, like, say... In a, over a month or so, and then have that just be on a more secure soundstage and being, you know, all that stuff. You can get away with a lot with just being on a soundstage and, as opposed to shooting on location, because oh, shooting on location is much more harder to do than just being on a soundstage. Because on a soundstage, as I said, it's a secure environment, you're in control of that environment, as opposed to just being out on location and, you know, on location where it's like, it's hard enough to show up because the weather, you don't know what the weather's going to be in like five minutes. The sun that you wanted 
like over the shoulder is now there's gonna be a cloud, so you gotta wait until that cloud moves around, so that sort of thing. At least when a sound stage, you're in control, it's artificial, and people have done like sound stage movies, that sort of thing, and no one really complained about it in the past. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that, I think that's probably a good point to end. Uh, so I have like three questions left, even though it's fairly easy. One, do, does the audience, what can we see in Krista uh, Cohen, right? Yeah, all right, I'm just making sure. Sometimes I make up, uh, mess up on the names, but how, where do we see you in the foreseeable future once you know, everything comes back home? Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> well, um, you know, knock on wood, the, um, the pandemic unemployment has made it so that I can um, I can continue, you know, searching for a, um, a viable job um, from the few that there are. That there are. Um, I'm good for at least six months if I live lean. Um, I can also hopefully look for um, look for film work at the same time. But if there's, you know, if there's no bait out there, there's no there's no biting. No one's gonna no one's gonna go for jobs that aren't there. So. You know, you may not see me in the industry directly, but you certainly will see me working on projects in, you know, whatever whatever spare time I have. Um, you might have seen on Facebook, I've been working on um, on a, uh, a costume. You might as well show you. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was actually wondering how that costume was. Uh, I was actually wondering how that costume was holding up. It was the, because the costume she's making is a uh, replica of a Final Fantasy character. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um. It hasn't moved since uh, since I last took photos of it because I'm waiting on a um, I'm waiting on uh, um, another type of um, EVA foam to come in that I can uh, that I can use. But uh, you know it's at least taking shape. I'm not exactly happy with the pattern that I used because um, it was meant for <clears throat> a different type of foam. Uh, it isn't quite shaped right. Um, but I'm working with what I have. I'm going to. I'm planning on on completing it to the uh, the best of my ability, and hopefully using it as part of a promotion for getting me some some work. I I can do at least this, you know. Yeah, I, I understand that at that point. Like this, like this show for me is like uh, it's it's promotion to show hey I can actually produce and edit and host my own shows that sort of thing, and also you know have great interviewees and have them be you know a focal point of saying hey you know this is you know you know check out their work that's what so it, it's it's so this show is also is an even ground for both promotion for me but also promotion for someone like you or someone else yeah. uh my other question so is, is, is essentially do you have any advice for people watching at home or listening brush up your resume work is not going to be as plentiful as it was, if it even was plentiful to, uh, to begin with. Um, live lean, look, look forward to lean times and look forward to, you know, taking them head on. We've been through disasters before um, and we'll, we'll get through this one with, you know, we'll get through this one as a community. Um, we cannot, even though we have to be socially distant, we don't have to be, well, even though we, we have to be physically distant. We don't necessarily have to be socially distant. Um, yeah. You're not alone. I am not alone. 
we need to reach out to each other and support each other to the best of our ability with whatever means we have. Yes. And the last one is quite fairly easy. Do you want to, do you have any social media that you want to plug? If not, don't worry about it. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't. I, um, I used to have an Instagram page under fart department, fart underscore department, because, you know, I was like 20 when I made it. Um, and I posted so infrequently that the, you know, Instagram just deleted the, the account. Uh, but eventually I'll have my stuff together. I'll have a beautiful brand name. Uh, but for now, the only brand I have is my name is Krista Cohen. I do props work, scenic work, art department, um, you know, fabrication and onset, uh, onset props work mostly. I can also do set dressing. Uh, I can also do coordinating. I'm a decently coordinated and organized person, so I'm happy to work in an office setting as well. I just would love work, and I am yes. confident enough to deserve that work yes. in and this field. Yes, and I think uh, to end on a good note, we all deserve work, especially after a year like this. All right, everybody. My name is always it's Brian Davis. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Take care, everyone, and stay safe.